Well, hello there and welcome back to the show. You are here and I am thrilled that you keep coming back to these conversations week after week after week. Now, if this is your first time, I welcome you with open arms. Now, did you know that it's possible to feel good in motherhood? Did you know that it's possible to take your yoga off the mat and into your life? Well, I have created what I call the Raise Your Vibe Toolkit. And here's why I created it. Because I truly believe that vibe care is the most important and overlooked aspect of self-care, okay, especially for moms. So I have created this toolkit to help you. It's a, it's a mom's guide for taking your yoga off the mat and into your life. It's the only guide designed to help moms feel alive and keep that yoga vibe flowing both on and off the mat, no matter what comes next. And you can go to highvibetoolkit.com. Um, you can also go to the link in the show notes, for instant access. So go and download that toolkit after you listen to this episode. Now, Kelly Biltz is my next guest. And Kelly Biltz is, for one thing, she's the mama of two amazing teenagers and the wife uh, and a wife of more than 20 years. She lives in a home filled with ADHD. And because of these amazing people she loves so dearly, she has uncovered her passion and purpose in life. She is an ADHD teen life coach. She helps teens and partners with their families during the crazy adolescent years to make it smooth, empowering, and peaceful, and a woman after my own heart. Now, um, during this episode, we Kelly shares the journey that led her to becoming an ADHD coach for teens. We talk about, she, she shares with us how instilling self-compassion in our kids is incredibly important and remembering a reminder to us that parenting is a marathon, not a sprint. Now, we talk about fostering a healthy mindset in our teens and tweens. We talk about teaching our kids self-compassion and resilience, especially when they miss the mark, and they will, and encouraging our kids to focus on their strengths and what makes them unique. So I think you are going to love this episode. It's the focus is on ADHD, but it really is about uh, self-compassion and resilience in all kids. So enjoy the show and be sure to tag Kelly and I and or I on social media and let us know what your biggest gold nugget, your biggest takeaway is. All right, have fun. This is the Vision Driven Mom podcast, and I'm your host, Tracy Nolan Bierman, for moms, by moms who believe that anything is possible, even in the midst of motherhood. Each week, you'll hear firsthand relatable stories from moms that have journeyed through motherhood, from fear, loss, and heartbreak, to healing, empowerment, and success. Motherhood is truly the journey of a lifetime, so let's enjoy the ride together. Well, Kelly, welcome to the Vision Driven Mom podcast. I am so glad that you're here. Hi, Tracy. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm really excited about our conversation today. And well. But before we get started, can you tell us about your journey? Your, your journey, how did you become an ADHD coach? What led you to this place and being on the podcast today? Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, our kids sort of define us, don't they? <laughs> yes, they do. They do. 
We were just Absolutely. chatting about that. We were just yeah. chatting about that. So my child defined me and gave me my my life's purpose. Uh-huh. Um, so in the fourth grade, so we have two sons who are 16 and 14, and our youngest at the time was in the third grade, and he was diagnosed with ADHD. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I'm sure those in the ADHD realm felt at some point that they just couldn't relate to their child and everything they were doing was wrong and uh, felt like a horrible mom. That was me. And uh, for the longest time, everything I was doing was just basically wrong. And we were in a state of just confusion and frustration. So there was one incident that just sort of tipped us over. And I said, we have to get him diagnosed. Something's just not right. right. So that was a blessing. We got him diagnosed. And like, finally, I have answers. Okay, fine. I can deal with this. So right. much in life is like dealing with the unknown. Like, give me the facts so I can deal with it and move on. Exactly. And so we got him diagnosed. And I had, at the time, I had no idea there was such a thing as an ADHD life coach. Mm. Had I known, right. I would have been all over that baby. But anyway... Um, so then I was, you know, I'm, I'm like many other moms, I'm going to dive right in there, figure everything I can for him, motiv- um, figuring out how to advocate for him. So I just dove dive, I'd like deep dive into studying, researching, um, recognizing that I was majority of the problem mm-hmm. and I didn't understand him. So over two years time to say fast forwarding two years, I just basically made it my full time job to help him and advocate in the school and figure out life strategies for him. And we changed our language. We changed how we parented. I started becoming more of an observer mm-hmm. and recognizing how he was reacting and behavior started changing. And lo and behold, after that two years, I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw an ADHD life coach ad come up. And I'm like, are you kidding me? After all <laughs> right, time, I needed you, right? I'm like, where have you been all my life? And I was thinking, goodness, well, this is exactly what I'm doing. If I could help other moms and, you know, fast forward, went into a year-long training, opened my practice, and and, and then started. When I first started, I coached everyone just to get my feet wet, just to start. So I work with adults with ADHD. I work with moms. I work with teens and what have you. And now in the past eight, eight months, I've niched down because teens are my passion. Mm. And I absolutely love working with teens. And, and um, plus I have two of my own and I've between stepchildren and my own, I've parented during 15 years of adolescence. And um, wow. I just absolutely love <laughs> it. I know. I, I know. <laughs> and I'm not medicated and they still love me. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> no, but um, so much of it is about the communication and letting go, yeah, which right. we're going to talk about. But um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing now. And I absolutely love it. And I know that I'm in my niche and I just, it's, it's you know, teens are, this is our, this is the new generation coming up. Right. And, right. and I love pouring into them and they're amazing, creative, awesome, like, cool young people that are really struggling right now. Yeah. And I love helping them. Right. Right. That's, um, and and, you know, it's (laughs) very interesting about the, you know, you said, well, you know, my, my kids defined my, my life. Right. I mean, (laughs) what I think is they like, there are teachers, right. And they're like, Oh, this is what you need to learn. And here it is. And I think that that happens so much with so many of the moms that I work with that, you know, myself included, Right. I, I, right. I'm, oh my I am a yeah. life coach. I'm a, I'm a yeah. vibe coach because of um, having kids, 
You know, I, I was a teacher before I had kids. I'm like, oh, they taught me a lot. And I want to yeah. share it just like you. I want to share it with, with other people and help other people. Because I'm telling you, I was, um, I have ADHD. My, we're we're, a, we're yes. a family of ADHD. And yes. if I had known when I was a kid and if I had had help, I know. Oh, my, yeah. my life would have been completely different, right. right? I wouldn't have those patterns of beating myself up and feeling, right. feeling like I'm, I'm the odd man out. I mean, I've, I've, I've right. felt like a black sheep, you know, and, right. and, you know, um, uh, you know, the books, the Percy Jackson books. I love Percy Jackson. Oh my gosh. And so, uh, so he, <laughs> he, he wrote those books for his son because his son had ADHD. Did okay, you I did not know that. Yeah. So if you, if you, um, if you, if you, you know, pick one up again and you'll, in the beginning, he had, Percy Jackson has ADHD. So he wrote that. And, and so he meets these other kids, these kids, the kids who are the, the half bloods, right? Right. He meets these yeah. other kids who are, who also have ADHD and they're all just, they're all different, you know? And I love that. But if I had known that, if I had had someone like you to help me to understand myself and that, you know, I'm okay and I'm just wired differently and that's okay. Right. right. And, and I mean, nowadays it's ADHD is a lot more common and back in, I mean, I'm mid fifties or early fifties, you know, so right. 20 years ago, it wasn't nearly as common. And my husband is, uh, is the same as well. And he's like, yeah. you know, it was, we were looked, looked down upon and what have you. And he's like, yeah. so I just self-taught. I had to figure out my own strategy. So it was, I shouldn't say shunned, but yeah, in some ways it was. And mm -hmm. so now not that it's, you know, just wrap my arms around ADHD, there's still a lot of work to be done with the, with the awareness of it, but it's a right. lot more common right now. So yeah. thankfully yeah. there's a ton more support and acceptance around the neurological and the neurodiverse, if I may, world, yeah. which is a yeah. good, good thing. We need and more people. We need more life coaches. We need more awareness build up around it. Right. And to help, to help, yeah, the awareness that it's not, yes. you know, it's not a it's not a, it's, it, I think it's, it's, it's mislabeled. I don't Agreed. think it's a deficit. It's because what it Agreed. is, is an overload of, of sensory information. You know, it's, right. a, it's, a, it's, it's definitely not a deficit. I do not feel like I have a de deficit. Right. <laughs> I right. feel like I have so much to focus on. It's really, it's I really know. interesting. It's helping getting that pinpointing that focus and right. And putting it in the lanes, right? Like I liken it to like race car lanes, like get in your lane, hyper-focus it, right? Like get in your tabs, open the tabs and focus on the tab, focus on your lane, Ooh, which is that, hard, right? which is hard to, you know, it's hard to do that with, yeah. with how your brain is wired. So it takes a lot of skill. It takes a lot of mindfulness. It takes a lot of practice, self-control, right? To really control your brain. And there's a lot of different ways of of, of managing it, if I may. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. one other thing that you talked about too. So your, your youngest is, uh, is 14 and he was in yeah. third grade. So, and that was, so now, um, there's the 504, 504s, which is, mm -hmm. which helps those kids that would yes. fall through the cracks, right. That wouldn't, mm -hmm. that didn't, that didn't qualify for an IEP. Right. But so they, they kind of, they fell through the cracks. Like they didn't, but now, so your, so your son was, that was before the 504, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. And I actually, um, he, I can't, like lower school, we had something for him and middle school, we didn't have anything because I wanted him to, 
Um, I wanted him, I worked with him so much that he was in a good spot Mm -hmm. and his grades were fine. If his grades were in a spot where I feel like they were getting a little bit lower, I would have had him taken out of the room for um, his own testing, you know, put in a separate room for testing or, or extended time. But yeah, that was, I think he just had an IEP back then and we had special accommodations if I may. And, um, but he's, he's really been in a place again, like I was like, this is what we're doing. This is how we're going to get through it. And I really, really spent a ton of time managing it and helping him through that. But he did a lot of the work as well. So we're knock on wood. He doesn't have any accommodations right now. Um, he is starting high school next year. We will see how that goes because everything starts to happen and matter in high school. Not that it doesn't now, but this is the middle school years are sort of the years to fail forward. If I may, right? Like figure out your systems, all the moving parts in middle school. I know you have a sixth grader and I know that it's so overwhelming, um, with all the information overly over sensory overload and managing all the moving parts and getting used to the systems there. But middle school really is sort of the time to figure out your systems, figure out your tools, how you're learning, right? Navigating all the teachers, personalities, what have you, and, and managing, figuring out your time management. And then high school, you've got to, you got to step up, you got to own it, you got to implement it and start being more independent. Yeah. So, and and I, I love that point that let's not wait until high school (laughs) because it's too late. Like, and, and I, and and now that I have middle schoolers, I'm understanding that this is the, like, we want them to fail forward. This is where they learn. This is where they learn their systems. And this is where they, where they look, get, you know, find their way. Right. But we can help steer them in the right. direction. Oh, absolutely. You have to find their systems. One of the best things that one of the, it was a middle school head or dean of students or something that said to us, he's like, let your kids fail in middle school because nothing matters in middle school. Colleges right. are not looking at anything. Grades. And, you know, a lot of the parents are like, Rrr. I'm like, but now's the time. It's okay. It right. doesn't like an F doesn't have anything to do with their emotional intelligence or their intelligence. And that's like, F could mean just not turning in paperwork, not turning right. in assignments, which is what we're finding right now. Oh working, my gosh. Working with teenagers that are like, yeah, working <laughs> with teenagers that literally have Fs because they're not turning the assignments, but they're getting 95 on tests. So you can't, right. you can't, you can't compare the two. And that's just a whole another story that we could go down a rabbit hole in. But, yeah. um, and I, and I felt such relief when he said that because I, I liken it to the, the elementary years were their frontal lobe. <laughs> we yeah. plan, we tell them their schedule, we tell them, we share them what's right and wrong. We, we give them their foundation. We sort of think for them, right? We right. help them evolve and think and keep them safe. Middle school, we start helping them evolve, figuring out their systems, helping them figure out their tools, navigating everything, allowing them a lot more freedom, if I may, to fail, to figure out, okay, that doesn't work, or, oh, I didn't turn that assignment in, or, oh, I didn't hear that in class, right? right. I didn't hear that, I missed that in class, because now there's like a the differences. <laughs> right, like there's, <laughs> right, there's not, there's not teachers that are saying, okay, now write this down, guys, you know, it's not, right. they're not holding hands as much in middle school as they, nor should they, right, because they're trying to, they're trying to get your child to learn study skills, to listen in class differently, to be, to be more accountable, to be more responsible with how they're how they're disseminating the information and and really disseminating 
what's important, what's a secondary fact, right? right. So they're learning, right, how to take notes. And that's not, that's not something that necessarily comes easily. Yeah. And then in high school, so middle school, you're testing it all out and learning things and having probably a lot of frustration. And then high school, you become a lot more independent. You're putting all these systems in place. You're yeah. responsible for your own work and really should be, knock on wood, Lord willing, hands off for the parents, if I may, right. um, as much as possible. There's probably a little bit of hand-holding as needed um, and following up with some things, but you know, it's really the time for the teenager to really evolve and, and own their work. Right, right, right. I love how you laid that out too. It's really helpful. You know, it's it's uh, just the different stages, and right. and I get that on an intellectual level. Like I I I I understand that this is this is the elementary progression school. This of is the progression of but, parenting and stages of children, adolescence. Right, and what to yeah. expect. Right, and right. it's really interesting, Kelly. Too is that um, that I thought like early childhood to me was like I always thought if I could have like an, an immediate um, uh, preschooler, like what you know before we had kids, how great would that be? I would love that. Like the whole early early childhood was just like oh my gosh, so hard. Right. And and then and, and, I, and I talk about how I had the stack of books, stack of parenting books. Like what do I do? Right. How do I help oh my, my gosh, how do I help I my young children? And then we had like six years. Of of no parenting books on the night table. I, I noticed, I was like, oh, they're filled with my books again. And now I'm right. finding, now that I have middle schoolers, I'm finding, okay, there are the parenting books again. <laughs> and the teen books, like the teen books. Right. Like, everything changes in teen, like, oh my gosh. The, and then you deal with the adolescents and you're dealing with the hormones and you're dealing with the moods and and it's it's overwhelming for them because their bodies are changing, their emotions are changing. and and we as parents have to change as well. We have right. to adapt with them. And it takes in a lot of ways, a, an enormous amount of different, a different level of patience, if I may, yeah. during the teen years and what it did Ooh, yeah. in those early elementary years. Right. I mean, I, I always liken it like you could lose your kid in the teen years where in elementary years, like you got them, like whether you want them right. or not, <laughs> you yeah. have them, but exactly. you can lose your kids in the teen years. If, 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 if it's not, I shouldn't say not handled right, but if it's, uh, yeah, I mean, because yeah. they have their own minds, they have their own opinions, yeah. they're going to, it's very natural and normal for them to push back, to want to be more independent. And if you're not in a place of letting go and being their co-pilot, if I may, like right. in it, being a co-pilot, you're going to have some push and shove on that one, push yeah. and tug, and it's going to be rough. Yeah, yeah, we're seeing that. <laughs> we're seeing that. We're seeing the, the uh, just the, yeah, and the, the with the with the middle schoolers too. The you know one minute they're you know all lovey dovey and and little kids, and then the next minute they're doing the pushback. They're, they're not not necessarily the pushback, but pushing away. You know. Yes and kind of stepping into their own. It's really a beautiful, it's really beautiful to witness. You know, yeah. it's really amazing. Like, oh my gosh, like I remember when you were just this little teeny tiny little baby and now you're, you know, my son is um, is almost as tall as me now and he's <laughs> his voice is changing. He's got what he calls a starter stash. <laughs> it's yes. Just, oh my it's gosh, just, I know. I know, it's you have boys, hair. right? You're like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. Oh, like our sons have like all the manly hair. I'm like, dude. Right. Manly hair, right? Right. Like, I how did like, that happen? I'm like, woo. And they're, I mean, my, my sons are like six, two and six, but they're well above me. I'm five, four and they're like 
Wow. They tower over me. And, yeah. and it's just, and it seems Tracy, like it literally happens overnight. And you're yeah. just looking at these young, beautiful, young adults. And it's like, oh my goodness, you are just, and then you realize that time is so limited. So you have to be very mindful of how you want your time. Right. And if you want it to be contentious, you can be contentious. Or if you want it to be the best time of your life, you can be the best time of your life and the yeah. best parenting times, right? You know, we, we were talking years. We were talking earlier about um about the um about um uh kind of the the letting go of the yes. of the control, right? Yes. And kind of yes. backing off and, and, and really deciding what's important. What's important yes. here? My relationship with my children, you know, yes, there are chores and there's homework and there's like things that we they need to do, right. but we don't have to like we get to pick and choose. Like what's the important thing? That like, everything think, is not important, right? Every single I think, thing. Yeah. I, I always say and I ask myself, and I always ask my boys this because I, of course, we're coaches, so I'm, we're always asking questions, right? right? You know, and you can ask yourself, like, how do you want your kids to remember you? Mm, like when they go to college, right. like, how do you want to be remembered? What are you going to say to your college roommates about your childhood or about your parents when you when when you're just hanging up, when you're just hanging out and talking about? at some point, because you are going to say some things that you miss about home, because you will be homesick, right? right? Like, how are you going to, how will you, how do you want to be remembered? Are you going to, yeah. you know, when my mom always nagged me or my mom, you know, nothing was ever good enough, or my dad was so hard on me and I'm happy to be, you know, um, or my mom was, you know, so incredibly supportive, no matter what decision I made, they were mm. always showing me so much grace when I messed up. And right. I remember the time when, gosh, you know, I just, really failed and you know they didn't they didn't pass judgment and we walked through it and I could tell my mom anything you know so right. always you know and I always and my, I ask my sons that a lot and they're like why do you keep asking what do you think I'm going to say you're like you know and I'm like because I want to make sure that I am still showing up the way that I want to right. that I'm intending to and that you need me like mm -hmm. I always ask my sons maybe once a month or so like how can I be a better mom for you? How can mm. I support you? How can I support you better or more right. or in a different way? Like, what do you need from me? Because right. their needs change. Like, and I've also learned that the best thing you can probably say to your teen when they're, because you know, your teens vent, they're going to vent, 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 vent. And you cannot take that personally because half the time they're not really like, they're venting around schoolwork. They're venting around their friends They're venting around their teachers They're venting around you know, school that has nothing to do with you. Right. But you're their safe place. Like I always say, like, I'm that, I'll take that. That's my badge of honor. If they come yeah. to me and vent, I want them to vent. Like right. we all need that safe place. Right. Right. Exactly. So like when I'm just off my train of thought, sorry, when they're, when they're venting, like how, you know, not taking that personally. And I always want to be that for them. And the, yeah. oh, here, I know what I was saying. So you always want to say, you know, do you, are you seeking, do you need me just to listen or mm. are you seeking advice? I do that few too. Times, like there yeah. are a few times they do not need advice. Right. Just <laughs> listen. I just want you to listen. Mistake, right. Right. Like, right. That's where parents need a mistake. That's where parents make mistakes. They want to like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And you're going to lose your kid if you're always offering, like just interrupting them and offering them advice. Like, oh my gosh, like, no, just zip it up. I'm like using my little, I'm using my hand motion, like zip it up. Right. And don't offer advice. Just listen. Just listen. I have to, I have to bite my lip. Okay. Yep. 
Absolutely. This is not the answer, but you can't say it. Like you can't help them through it. Right. Right. And that, that guiding them in the, um, in through the process, you know, and what, what I say a lot in our, in our house is we are problem solvers. Okay. So, you know, let's put on the problem solving hat and, and, and solve the problem. Right. Right. And and we could do it together or, you know, how how do you, how do you need me to show up? Do you need, do you need some, some, you know, some, some guidance or do you, um, or do you, you know, you want me to just listen and and you solve the problem because half the time when we're, when their kids are talking, they're solving the problem themselves, right? Because they're talking through it. They're verbal, they're, they're just verbal processing. And I think that's the other thing, like where, where parents can make a mistake as well, where they're, they're, they're trying you know, our natural tendencies as parents is we want to solve all the problems. We want to just be the fixer of everything that is doing our children and our teenagers a disservice. Right. Right. And we confuse our children's verbal processing all the time when they're just walking through it, not seeking anything other than just like, blah, 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 blah. I've got this, 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 and walking through. And I love what you said about problem solving because bringing that back to the ADHD brain, like you want, you want your children to think two or three steps ahead, right? right? Help them think, you know, in the future, which doesn't come natural because mm-hmm. the ADHD brain is now and not now. Right. So how to be resilient. If I, w- I always say, if I wasn't here, what would you do? How oh, would you I love that. This, right. right. Like, if I wasn't here, I feel like I say that multiple times throughout the week. Well, I would do this. And I'm like, okay, fine. You don't have to do it the way I do it. But at the, at the end result is that we get that. If that's, if that's the end result that needs to happen, how would you do it? You don't have to do it exactly how I do it. But walk me through how Bryce would do it. Walk me right. through how Brady would do it. Tell me in your own words. And that's the verbal processing. You want them to, you want them to train their brain to, to problem solve two or three steps ahead, right? right Which doesn't right. come natural. Like that's, a, that's one of the things I'm working with one of the moms in my group is like that's, that's training the brain. It's helping your child be resilient, training the brain and thinking through things. Because right. the easy thing is just shutting down and asking the mom. I'm like, nope, you cannot be too available for him. No, yeah. no, no. Like, yeah. do not be too available for your children when you're trying to help them think through something. Right, right. right. And Kelly, so with the, with the ADHD, you know, um, we spoke earlier about, so I have ADHD. And wouldn't it have been amazing if I had known that that's what it was for one thing when I was a kid, um, right. but really beating myself up. So we talked oh, a little yeah. bit about self-compassion and, 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 and like helping our kids, instilling that in our, in our kids, our kids, you know, across the board, but our kids with ADHD, especially, because I will say that my, um, I beat myself up for most of my life. I didn't find out until I was in my forties. 40s? Yeah, it was in my 40s when I found out I had ADHD. So I had 40 years of feeling really uh-huh. bad about myself. You know, like yeah. something's wrong with me. What's wrong with mm-hmm. me? You know, yeah. and really beating myself self up. Can you speak into that? I would love to love to share that with yes. our listeners. And it's very emotional because right now I know you know my program, but I work with I have a, a program where I work with teens. I have 15 teenagers. I wish I could have more in there. Yeah. Um, 
and I work with them throughout the whole academic school year. And obviously this year has been exceptionally difficult, right? Yeah. But you take all the challenges. Let's, let's just not even talk about ADHD. You take all the challenges for a neurotypical child mm-hmm. of keeping up with their schoolwork, of social influences, right? Of home life, chore life, whatever, anything else emotionally that's going on with our world, right? And then, and then you add the ADHD element onto it and all right. the challenges of ADHD with being stuck, not being motivated, having the impulse, having the difficulty focusing, um, feeling exceptionally overwhelmed, getting overwhelmed mm-hmm. so, so quickly and not being able to turn in work when they want to, Um, difficulty staying on task, right? And then that is a vicious, vicious cycle of negative self-talk. Yeah, absolutely. And it continues and it continues and it continues. Mm -hmm. And it is one of my missions with my teenagers um, to help them switch and change their mindsets when I work with them each week and we talk about positive, something that is good in their life, something. um, And it's really about having self-compassion and Mm -hmm. self-compassion. I explained to them is being kind to yourself when you maybe miss the mark. Self-compassion is also, you know, building that resilience and getting back up. You know what? Life is not, you're going to miss the mark in life. Mm -hmm. Like the sooner you realize that and you get back up from that, the better off you're going to be. Like we're not right. going to stay in this negativity. We're not going to stay in, in, I am, you know, five or six assignments behind. I'm never going to get this. Like, I don't allow my teens to say never. I don't allow yeah. my teens to say I can't. Um, it is just so self-defeating. And right. I, and I even don't allow those words in my own home. Mm-hmm. And if I hear that, I'm like, say five things that you love about yourself, like on the spot, because I cannot right. It's just so, I, I just refuse to have that yeah. because all of everyone has a ton of strengths to offer. Right. And I think because of so many of the challenges that they have, they're not focusing on all the beauty that they have, yeah. all the creativity, all of their own strengths. It's just so easy to focus on the negative. And that's sort of human nature, right? I mean, right. I talk about yeah. that as well in my in my parent group. Like it's so easy. Like everybody can relate to all the negatives. Right. And it's and our, you know, I think I don't know, there's a thought that we have like twenty thousand negative thoughts that go through our mind a day. Oh, For yeah. some reason, like our human nature, it's just easier to have negative thoughts. People can relate. And right. it's it's not about not having them. It's about having them, owning it, acknowledging it, and putting them away and saying, okay, Mm. I hear that I get that I'm five assignments behind. Okay, fine. I'm five five assignments behind. Thanks for letting me know that I'm moving on because I'm a rock star and I can get through this and I have the tools to do that. Right. So I asked my teens like questions, like I feel strong when, boom, right? Like Mm. I feel confident when this, like I love this about myself. I, I am like things that make me unique right? I learned from this mistake. How have I helped others? Like I asked them throughout my coaching sessions and group coaching and what have you, trying to bring that self-compassion, that positive self-image to them all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always share something, tell me something good that's happened this week. Um, Tell me one of your strengths. You know, what would some, what would your friends say about you? Right. Because I just think that I need, they need to hear you know, I don't know of anyone that has ADHD that would ever be so 
um, cause they love positive affirmation, right? Like yeah. my son thrives on, but he's the least cocky child. I know if that yeah. makes any sense, like right. the positives focusing on the strengths is just ammunition and fuel for the soul, right? Mm, to help right. them feel so good. It, like that helps them get the dopamine fix that they need, that little reward that will take them a step forward and get their motivation going, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And right. So it is, especially with COVID and this year, we are dealing with a mental health crisis yeah. that I think is far going to outweigh COVID in a lot of ways, because there's always going to be that anxiety there, right. right? And how, and due to the challenges of ADHD and everything we've been talking about, but bringing in that self-compassion and being kind to yourself, because if not like that's going to fester, that's, that's going to, that, that individual is going to live in a state of anxiety yeah. and in the ADHD brain, like neurologically speaking, it, the brain doesn't really work in a weakened state, right? right? Because that, that strongest thought, I, if I go live in my Facebook group a lot, which I'll share with what that is here in a little bit, um, that the amygdala is our fight or flight. And if yeah. our amygdala is like in that weakened state and always like, hey, 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 like your five assignments behind, your five assignments behind, your five assignments behind, like that's the only thought that's getting through, right? Exactly. And right. that is in a weakened state and you're going to shut down. So being able to calm yourself down and walk yourself through that and having that mindfulness and self-awareness and self-control to say, okay, I'm five assignments behind. What do I know about myself that will help me get through those five assignments and help calm myself down so that I can start, right? right? So I right. can just start and make a step forward. So much, so many challenges or one of the biggest challenges some of the teenagers that I work with have is, is the ability to just get started because yeah, they're in this that. anxious yes. state, right. right? Because they're in this anxious state mm -hmm. and it's because they're, that main thought is getting through and they can't get passive. So in the weakened state, the brain just does not, the brain just shuts down. You know, and I, I, I remember, I remember hearing somewhere that, you know, I call it the negativity folder. Like you wake up neutral in the morning and did it, it, up. There's that thing, right? It's just, it's yeah. natural. It's the part of our brain that it's, it's the survival part of our brain because right. that that's, you know, primitive, primitive, um, primitive humans, they had to right. always be on the lookout for danger. Right. So that's, yes. I think that's a, we that's don't the necessarily need it in that yes. way. Right. It's the, yes. the amygdala. It's the, that, that primitive part of the brain, Yes, but it fight is the, yeah, the fight or flight. Um, and, and I, I remember hearing somewhere that it takes maybe five positives to counteract a negative or something like that. You know, when you're speaking with, you know, when you're parenting with, with your spouse, with, with whoever, because we, because we tend to, we hear that one thing, you know, right. that we hear, course, we hear right. that one thing. And right. then that, that just knocks us down. It's more so, powerful than the others. Right, right, right. And so in teaching, you know, we, we can do it. We can do it with our kids. And, and it sounds like this is what you do in your, in your group with your teens. But we're also teaching our kids to think that way. Right. That, okay, right. for every, for every, you know, okay, so you, you're missing five assignments, right? Okay, so big deal. It's a fact. It's not you. It's not who you right. are. Right. So, um, but, but in that's, it's a practice. It's, it's building a muscle it is. of looking it is. for the positive. 
it's a mindset and yeah. and that's what i and it's you know anything whenever we're working with teenagers and i'm working with them it's like i tell the parents like this is a marathon we are not sprinting here like right. this is going to take time they have very you know it takes a while to shift the mindsets right yeah. this is a habit forming this is stretching that muscle getting it in a new thinking pattern if i may right mm -hmm. and those things take time right right exactly and so important and i you know i what you're sharing what we talked about today really is for all kids absolutely for the adhd kids people oh yeah especially oh, yeah. Right. Like we have to be kind to ourselves and we have to allow ourselves to fail and not fit into this. Like, I don't know. We, we, I don't know. I think we're just so hard on ourselves and it just, it's not right. It's not like we've got to love on ourselves because we're just created in our own image and God's image. And sorry, I'm a faith believer. Um, and I just, I, you know, we all have unique abilities. We all have amazing strengths and, mm -hmm. and between social media and we just see all this stuff happening and we can fall into this realm of comparison and feeling yes. defeated and feeling less worthy if i may and so it's also that's the other thing i'm like you know you have to really be able to manage that element and yeah. be able to differentiate and have that self-control and that willpower and that strength in yourself to know that you are not that and you are more than this and you know and so that's a whole nother like how they're perceiving themselves in the social right. media world oh um, yeah the social media we, we don't you know because i don't want to go there because the social right, media is just damaging right. Exactly. So it's yeah. that, that's the other element that um, is also probably nagging in the back, that little gnat that's, you know, talking to them as well yeah, and yeah. can be contributing some of the negative self-talk depending on who they're following and some of the friend groups and, and those things. So, right. And so, Kelly, um, what, is, what is one thing that, that our listeners can take away today and that they can start putting in practice? Something, something that's fairly simple that they can do with their um with their kids i would say yes uh one of the things that i started doing and i i think i briefly shared it here is is focus on the strength of your child mm, and start right. encouraging and and commenting and sharing one or two things every day that they've done well Mm, right bringing more positives in the conversation in fact mm -hmm. and i know that parenting is challenging i know that there may be some days that you're like yeah you know what? my kid didn't do anything right, right. i've had yeah. those days but find something because especially for those who are neurodiverse and complex children like literally they thrive off of positive affirmations they yeah. thrive off of encouragement anything positive will keep them going so right. if it means that your child came down five minutes later versus 15 minutes later and he made it there boom acknowledge it oh right. i see that you brushed your teeth you know for an extra minute thank you so much or thank right. you for putting your chair and thank you for putting your dish at the sink or thank you for not having a meltdown for five minutes and it was two right. minutes or something like that like even the smallest things and i'm not talking about over praising i'm not talking about that i'm just talking about acknowledging small positive wins 
every single day right. and bringing right. more of that instead of focusing on some of the things that are super easy to point out that are not going well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That is perfect. That is perfect. And that's a practice that we need to cultivate. And as Absolutely. we as we cultivate Absolutely. that practice, <laughs> then they can see that. I, I call it like the biosmosis. Sometimes they 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 get things from us. So it's a it's a practice as we do it. it then they'll learn to do it's it too. It's a habit, it's a practice. And and if more parents started doing that, they would probably see a very started seeing a very different behavior of their in their children, in yeah. their children. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Kelly, can you tell us about a time in motherhood that um, that when you either achieved something or you overcame something that just felt impossible? So, yeah, it was um, when those two years when I was reading and studying about ADHD mm. and right. and just I felt like I truly wasn't connecting. Um, our oldest son was very neurotypical. And so mm -hmm. the challenges that I had with our youngest one, I did not have with our oldest one. Right. And I realized that I was a problem. Mm -hmm. I realized that I was way too controlling. I realized that I wanted things my way. I realized that that wasn't working for him. And I had to really, really hone in and change my approach and how I spoke with my son. Right. And it took probably years and I'm still working on it yeah. um, and perfecting that. But I made it a point to watch my language and yeah. what I say to my children. Right. I don't think, and, and what I permit in my home, like mm -hmm. I don't permit certain words in my home because I always am so cognizant of positivity. I mean, and I'm not, I'm not like everything's great, right. but allowing certain words because you know the saying that there's 20,000 negative comments that our children have heard by the age of 12. Mm. And so much of that comes within our home, right. right? I am so, so mindful of how I speak to my child yeah. and the tone of which I say things. Yeah. And if that means that I have to leave the room and come back and say it in a different way or even say it first, I do that because Beautiful. it is a mindful practice and it's probably the one thing that has made me, I shouldn't say made me, but has allowed my relationships with all of my, my first litter and my, son and <laughs> our, and my first litter and right. our own children right now. I, I have a phenomenal relationship with our, our boys. Mm, and I think beautiful. it's because of my ability to really watch how I say, and I'm mm -hmm. very strategic with my words and very careful. Yeah. Um, and that's control. And it's, it, trust me when I say it does not come easy. It nice. has never come easy, but I, there are some things that I just will not say um, to them that would yeah. potentially put them in a state of defense or hurt, or I just, I don't, I, I don't ever want to contribute to that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's beautiful. And like you said, it is a practice. It's an it everyday is. It's practice. Not easy. It's not something, unfortunately, it's not a one and done. <laughs> it's not. Nope. <laughs> Always no, working no, no. on it. But yeah, what a beautiful, beautiful story. And that Thank it's you. possible to have a good relationship with yes. your teens. You have, you know, and with your older it's possible to have a good relationship with your kids, with in your yep. family. Absolutely. And Kelly, so if our listeners wanted to find you, how can they find Yay. you? How can they learn more about you? 
They can. So I run a, um, a Facebook group. If you're on Facebook called mm -hmm. parenting ADHD teens, and I go live two or three times, probably three or four times a week for five to 10 minutes on topics on something that's happening in our world with ADHD and teenagers. Um, and I share all kinds of my blogs in there, very interactive. And it's also a wonderful community of support and love is. and yeah. I'm interacting with uh, my community in there. That's probably the best way to find me. Mm -hmm. My website is loving gratitude, L loving and then gratitude with the ADD in the middle of it. You can find my blogs on there, how to reach me, my teen programs. Um, but those are where I, I pretty much hang out in my parenting ADHD team. Right. Okay. Uh, perfect. Facebook group. Yeah. So definitely her Facebook group is amazing. She's in there all the time. Thank you. So I am Thank in there you. as well. Um, <laughs> but I will put all the links um, in yeah. the show notes. And Kelly, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so Thank you, much Tracy. for taking the time I appreciate you today. having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Thank you for listening to the Vision Driven Mom podcast. Now, if you haven't already, go ahead and download the High Vibe Toolkit. It's a mom's guide for taking yoga off the mat and into your life. You'll learn how to create your own unique toolkit full of tools for raising your vibe quickly and getting yourself out of a funk in record time next time you find yourself in one. Because funk happens, right? You'll learn how to tap into your inner mentor to cultivate more joy, more connection, and more harmony in your life as you return to your natural high vibe self. You'll raise the vibe in your home as you reclaim your own inner vibe. Now, this is the only guide designed to help moms who want to feel alive keep their yoga vibe flowing both on and off the mat, no matter what comes next. So download the High Vibe Toolkit at www.highvibetoolkit.com and reclaim your inner vibe. Anything is possible, even in the midst of motherhood. Goodbye for now.